Open the door and step inside to a world of practical magic, where we blend the mystical and mundane worlds of the everyday witch. Presented by Wise Woman Witchery and hosted by Emily Morrison and Veronica Wade-Lewis. Welcome to The Witch Next Door. I'm Emily, and I have a very special guest joining us today. Tanae Stewart is a practicing cottage witch, a certified astrologer, a coach, and a published author. She is the author of The Modern Witch's Guide to Magical Self-Care and The Modern Witch's Guide to Natural Magic. Her work empowers modern witches to nourish their minds, their bodies, their intuition, so they can be their most magical selves all day, every day. And you know we love that. So welcome in today. Thanks for being here. Hi, Emily. I'm so excited. Hi. So what I have to share with everybody is that you and I live in the same place, <laughs> which uh, is surprising to me because we've never, our paths have never crossed until recently. And I actually picked your book up, um, the self-care book, like, I don't even know when it was. When did it come out? That one came out in 2020. Okay. So it was somewhere right after it came out and I had seen it and I was like, oh, this looks like a cool book. And I picked it up and bought it and as I do and read it. And I was like, this is so great. And then I started seeing some of your stuff popping up because I guess, you know, algorithms. And I was like, huh, wow, she has really beautiful things. And then my friend Sarah was in like a group with you and Sarah lives in Connecticut. So... <laughs> such a funny coincidence like Sarah was like I know her but I think she lives by you <laughs> yeah, I know so Sarah's like oh yeah there's this there's this witch that lives by you that you should totally meet and I was like who and then she told me and I was like oh today wait I have her book wait what she lives by me are you sure I've seen her stuff how weird anyway so uh that is that story <laughs> gosh I know I definitely since I started doing in-person events because my everything got well my everything everyone's everything got derailed obviously yeah. in 2020 um but my first book was coming out and so I didn't get to do any of the book launch stuff um you know we did some really cool virtual things and I got a little bit of coverage but I was I was on my own to, to yeah. figure that out you know and um I didn't connect with anybody locally really until I guess it was the beginning of 2022 because everything was just still online for so long. So I didn't have any local contacts um, until like last year. And then, and then we connected in person and right. it's like, oh my gosh, there's so many more of us here than we realized. Well, and the moral of the story is you never know which witches are lurking in your backyard and you should meet them. Absolutely. Very true. <laughs> right. So yeah. And then also I met you at a um, witch's market and you gave me your, I was like, yeah, I'm a friend of Sarah's. And, and then you gave me your card, which I lost. I didn't actually lose. It was just in my hip pack for a year. And then <laughs> I, I thought about you and then I finally like found it one day, it popped out and I'm like, oh, okay. It's time. Now, now's the moment. So funny when you reached out. I was like, yes, I do sort of remember this. <laughs> that very brief five second interaction. I think you were eating a salad, like it was lunchtime. <laughs> that that sounds about right. That sounds if if you come across me, the odds are I will be eating something. So <laughs> that sounds true. <laughs> right. 
I love food. So, you know, <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. So I would love to hear your story. I mean, we've, we've chatted a little bit in real life and, um, and I, and I would love to hear more about sort of your origins in witchcraft and, you know, how you got to where you're at. Um, cause I know you have a really thriving community online and, uh, you offer summits a couple times a year and you got another book coming out next year. So you're just rocking it. Thank you. Yeah, I have a lot going on. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of projects in the works right now. Um, but how I got here. So I was really interested in magic and witchcraft and Wicca, you know, originally kind of how mm -hmm. a lot of us come to the path um, as a kid, right? So even as a kid, I was just really curious about it. It really kind of spoke to me. Um, I was in about middle school, I think, when I first became really more aware of it um, as an actual path and tradition that people did and believed in, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and so in middle school and high school, I went to Christian schools um, until my freshman year of high school, um, which was not it was not for any particular reason. It was just that my mom didn't like, you know, she was kind of fed up with the the education I had been getting. And so she was like, well, we're going to put you in this school over here and we're going to deal with it. Um, mm -hmm. And so I went there for like five years and there was, you know, a lot of good things about it and a lot of not so good things about it. Um, but it was a overall, you know, mostly good experience. Um and I actually am grateful to that experience because it let me kind of have these, because my family's, you know, lapsed Catholic and kind of a religious um, for the most part. So it was not something I had grown up with before that at all. Uh -huh. um, so I had very little exposure to any kind of spirituality. And so I got to kind of have these different experiences um, of different practices and different beliefs um, that I'm actually really grateful for. Um, even though it was not not who I was um, in in the long run or even in the short run, uh -huh. <laughs> even as a kid, it really wasn't who I was. Um, and I am also grateful to certain people in the the church community who kind of recognized that and like made sure that I didn't get so immersed in the community and kind of take it on, you know, because all of my friends were, you know. Um, so I am actually there's a lot of things I'm really grateful about, but. Um, Anyway, so I got kind of interested in middle school and high school, um, but I never really actively practiced. Um, my mom was always pretty open, you know, pretty open minded, doesn't have a, a really strict religious belief herself. So she's always pretty open. But for some reason, I was still really guarded about it, um, partially because I was still pretty immersed in that community. Uh -huh. um, but even with family, I, I just, for some reason, I think I had to kind of really internalize this idea that people weren't going to be accepting of it. Yeah. Um, whether or not that was actually true, which in the long run, it was not true. Um, although, you know, as a kid, who knows, right? Who knows how it would have been received? So we can only, we can only speculate, but um I really had internalized this idea that it would not be accepted. And so I didn't really actively practice or, you know, do much except read and, and, you know, learn where I could, which there was a decent amount, you know, I mean, certainly Llewellyn, there was already uh -huh. a lot of, of uh, material out there, but that was kind of it, right. There wasn't really a lot else. Um, and online, you know, it was like, um, uh, what is it like pig and portals and right it was like the yeah you know, the ones that like the originals the original witchy websites right and so 
it's information, but only so much. Um, and so I, I finally actually started practicing. I think it's one of those where I'm like, I'm not a hundred percent sure what year <laughs> it was, but I think I was 18 or so, mm-hmm. um, maybe a little younger than that. Um, cause I graduated from high school really early. So it's like somewhere between 16 and 18, I started practicing. Um, what I do know for sure is that I started practicing at Lamas and that that was my first, celebration. And so it's always been kind of a special one to me. Um, And so it was originally, I was very drawn to the wheel of the year and the moon Mm -hmm. phases um, and those cycles. Right. And that was very much what drew me in, even as a kid that watching the moon come up, you know, the, my childhood bedroom, the full moon came up right outside my window um, and watching the, the seasons change. And my mom and I had a lot of just like traditions that we did where we would, you know, clean the house and decorate the house at certain times of the year. And so there was always this very like seasonal rhythm um, and, and lunar rhythm that I just wasn't completely conscious of. Um, And so those were things that really drew me in, even as a little kid, you know, that I just really resonated with that. And then come to find out, you know, there's this whole spiritual path that that's what people do. Right. And so it just, it completely clicked for me from a very early age. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I had started practicing with the wheel of the year and the moon. And then, and I practiced for a couple of years, um, but still very, very quietly. Um, and still something I was very concerned about people knowing, partially because even though I was out of school at that point, um, or I was in college at that point, um, I was still volunteering and working at the school that I had gone to, the Christian school Uh I had gone to. And so it was still a community that was important to me. And I was very concerned about losing that community. Um, Uh and especially about because I volunteered as an art teacher um, and I loved my kids and I, some of them I'd been teaching for since they were tiny, tiny, you know, and I was really concerned that I was going to lose that opportunity to, you know, connect with them. And I think also be like an outside influence knowing, you know, having been in their shoes as little children, um, you know, knowing that they were very immersed and they didn't have a lot of outside influences. Um, So I was very concerned about protecting that. And so I really stayed very, very quiet about my practice for many years. Um, and then when I was in college, I just got really overwhelmed. I, I very much hit the the overwhelm wall. And I was like, I was commuting and I was working and I was volunteering. And I <laughs> just found I was, I didn't have time for my practice, um, was how I saw it at the time anyway. And so I actually chose to set my practice aside. And I, I said like, you know, I'm not giving this the the energy it deserves. And if I come back to it in the future, then it was meant to be. And if I don't, that's okay. And so I like made this choice. I remember it being this like conscious choice. And I was probably like a, I don't know, I was like a sophomore in college maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I stopped practicing for a couple of years. I graduated college. Um, and then when I look back, I realized I never really stopped practicing, you know, um, <laughs> but I thought that I had, right. Because, because I thought it had to look a certain way and had yes. to mean a certain thing. Right. Yes. Um, but I stopped practicing quote unquote. Um, and then in 2015, um, the fall of 2015, I lost my home in a wildfire mm. and it was after the fire that I really came back to my practice fully. Um, and by then there was this explosion of information um, and and resources. And so I started the loop and hollow blog, like immediately, well, in the spring, it was the spring of 2016. Um, 
and I've pretty much been consistent in some way ever since. Um, but it was really this like catalyst that kind of brought me back, you know? Mm-hmm. So what was it about losing your home that made you feel like I need this thing or not even I need this, but like led you back there? Yeah. Yeah. Well, so the six months after the fire were, you know, the hardest of my life. Um, and I was, I was going through a lot at the time. Um, not only this really traumatic experience, um, but everything that went along with it. Mm -hmm. Um, and I had also, um, I mean, I obviously I moved, but I had, I was already moving. Um, so I had moved about 30 minutes away from where I grew up. Um, and I had family in the area, like it wasn't a big move, but it was in the sense that, you know, I was moving away. Right. Um, and I had gotten a new job and like all of this was happening literally in the same weeks around the fire. Um, and then simultaneously we lost two of my grandfathers, like a month after the fire. And it was just, you know, it was one of those periods where it was like, oh yes, absolutely everything all at once, every layer of change and grief and emotion that you could possibly feel in one, you know, one month, basically (laughs) it was very intense. We also, we had, we, the worst, the very much the worst part of the fire was that we lost our animals. Mm. which was very very difficult um and then my friend and I we were house sitting we had a house sitting job after the fire which was great um and their cat died oh really unfortunate (laughs) um so it was really just like literally it was like you could not have made up a a longer list of things that happened all at the same time right um knock on wood I'm just gonna do that yes (laughs) (laughs) hopefully 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 um no it was a very, very intense period. And yes. so the, the months after the fire, I was just so deep in it. You know, I was just processing so much and feeling so much and it was just a really, really hard time. And so come the spring. So my, my friend and I, we finished the house sitting job, a very unfortunate house sitting situation. Yeah. Um, but that we were so grateful to have had a place to live, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and we got an apartment that was very serendipitous, absurdly serendipitous. It was like the first sign that things were going to be okay. Um, and we moved in and, you know, everything we owned was hand-me-downs basically. Right. Um, literally all of our, well, all of my clothes, all of our furniture. Um, and we didn't hardly decorate for months right we hung some curtains and that was about it which was not like either of us I mean we we moved we recently moved again um and you know our house looks like we've lived there for 10 years like (laughs) um it was very much unlike us but neither of us had the capacity to do anything about it and so it was about six months after the fire it was like April or May um and we finally were like, oh my God, we have to do something with this house, right? It has to, it's so, it's just not acceptable anymore. So we started going to this craft store that was closing um, and they were having all these closing sales. And so we started, you know, when we were early twenties, you know, we were broke. So we're like, oh, we're going to go to this craft store and get as many candles as we can. And so we started collecting things and they had this palmistry poster um, at this craft store. And it was one of those just like, print out ones that you, yep. you see everywhere. Right. Yeah. But for some reason I was very drawn to it. 
And I carried it around the store for a while. And I was like, I don't know why I like this, but I do. And I said to myself, or not so much to myself, to something else, right? I was like, okay, if I can find a frame, because it was big, right? And I was like, Uh if I can find a frame that this will fit in, I will take it home. And so I walked back to the framing section of the store, right? That was like gutted. There was like nothing left there, but there was like four frames stacked on a shelf and one of them fit the poster. And I was like, <laughs> okay, got it. <laughs> I hear you. And I, universe. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Okay. So I took it home and my friend was like, all right. Like she wasn't not into the poster, but she was just like, what's, what's happening. Right. What? Right. Okay. Um, and we took it home and I sat down and, you know, Googled magic or something. I don't know what I Googled, but I searched for something and there were all of these results. And I was just like, oh, cause it had only been a couple of years since yeah. I practiced and everything had changed in that time. And I was just floored. I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. There's so much here. And so I was like, you know what? I wonder if coming back to my practice would help because I was still in it. You know, I was still where we were starting to come out the other side, right? We'd, we'd bought things to hang on the walls in our house, but, but there was still a long way to go. Yes. And I was like, I wonder if paying attention to those cycles again would help, would help me process and move through this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I pretty much immediately, I cleared off my dresser and I set up an altar and I was like, okay, we're going to try this. And I started Loop and Hollow, um, the blog, just as a personal like accountability thing. And it worked. It worked so much. It gave me so much support in the hardest time. I My only wish is that I hadn't stopped practicing and that I'd had it for those six months that were so, so difficult. But I'm so glad that at least it brought me back to, you know, who I was. Right. Well, and it makes me wonder if you could have accessed it during those six months, because sometimes when we're so deep in those places, it's like you can't do the things it you can't access it in the same way. It's because you're already in the in-between. You're already like hanging in that weird, like not purgatory, because that's not quite the right word, but it when you're in grief and loss and all of that, and in such a deep, profound way, it is like a state of grace that is time out of time. And so trying to do anything that, you know, is organized is really difficult. <laughs> it's very true. Yeah. Excuse me. It's very true. Yeah. I mean, I think, and I think that is true. And that's why I set my practice aside in the first place, right? right. I was already overwhelmed. I was already dealing with a lot. Um, and it wasn't as much on the personal front. I was just overwhelmed. I had too much going on. I'd overcommitted myself. Um, but yeah, and I, I don't know, people always ask me, you know, like about the fire and about, you know, the, the experience of it. And it's like, I wouldn't wish for it in a thousand years. It's a really deeply traumatic experience. Um, but I also don't know that I would have come back to myself in the same way um, without it, you know? So it is yeah. what it is. <laughs> yeah, it's, it is really transformative. I mean, anytime we experience such intense loss, um, 
and a sense of powerlessness. I mean, I, I, I'm assuming I'm making an assumption that that was your experience just based on the fact that, I mean, I haven't lost anything, but I've lived through the wildfires in this area and it, and I know a lot of people who have lost homes and animals and, you know, it's, um, it is a sense of powerlessness and it's deeply humbling to be like, okay, nature, you win, like all the winning you get. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. And so much of what going through an experience like that is about is being really, really just like shocked and awed by what nature is capable of. Because, you know, it's, there's a difference between house fire and wildfire. Mm -hmm. Yes. And a wildfire burns extremely hot, extremely, extremely hot. And usually fast, fast, fast. And very fast. And some of the things that they found in the remains of our house were just like, you can't even wrap your head around how that's possible, right? My dad's, you know, fridge size safe buckled, like they're rated for like 2000 degrees or something, right? And it it buckled. They had to like drill into it because you couldn't even open the door. My, the crystals in my bedroom exploded. Yeah. Like they come from the earth. Right. Right. <laughs> they, they exploded. <laughs> like it's really, I mean, very humbling. It's very yeah. like, I am very small <laughs> and very mortal. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I know many people who have been through this experience living in this area. And for anyone who lives anywhere where there's a natural disaster, maybe you've had this experience too, but, you know, we've had a series of fires here uh, in Northern California. And there is this way that your relationship with the elements shifts. And I wonder if you had that experience today where you were like, okay, fire, you and I now have a new rapport. Yes, definitely. Yeah. And I have really strong fire in my chart, um, <laughs> fire and earth, but, and me I'm too, Sorry. <laughs> but I've really, str- I have really strong fire. It's definitely my most. Um, and the, the astrology at the time of the fire, which I wasn't, you know, conscious of at the time, but in looking back now, I can see, um, that there was a lot, I have a lot in Aries and there was a lot in Aries at the time. There was a lot of things happening. Um, and it does it very much. And I could absolutely see, you know, someone who's experienced a hurricane with water Mm -hmm. or a tornado with wind, right. Like or air, I could very much see, um, it being the same with, with other elements, but yeah, I do think it really shifts the way that you experience that. Um, and I, it's interesting because I had always been a little paranoid about fire. Um, I would always like, I would, especially once we had our indoor cat, um, I, before the fire, I would, you know, if I thought I left the curling iron plugged in, like I would go back, I would be late. I would go go back and make sure I'd unplugged it. And I'd almost always had, you know, but I would go back anyway. And it was just something I was always concerned about, um, which I think Mm -hmm. is probably because um, when I was really little, there was a, but old enough to remember, have a really conscious memory of it. um, There was a wildfire um, in our area um, because they used to be, you know, once every five or 10 years um, and, you know, they would, yeah, it was different. It was different than it is Different times. Um, And so there had been a wildfire and we had been evacuated. I don't think we were even evacuated overnight. I don't remember Mm. staying anywhere, but we were evacuated at least for a few hours. 
And I, my mom was very scared. Like it was really a fear for her. Um, and so I, I do think I picked up on that, Mm -hmm. but I also think we both had that fear because we knew that someday it would be the case. You know, I I think it was both. I think it was, we, we were particularly afraid of it, but it was definitely intuitive as well. Um, and so I always had this kind of fear of that type of fire, but never candles, fireplace, you know, anything like that. Like I would go back and make sure I blew the candle out. And pretty much every morning when I leave my house, I do. Right. But like, you know, it, there is that little degree of paranoia about it, but it was never that type of fire. Right. I've always felt very comforted by that type of fire. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does really make you see how even within a given element, there are so many different expressions of it as well. Yeah, it's a huge spectrum, right? There's those tiny coals that, you know, bake your potato in your fire pit and keep you warm and are just a slow burn. And then there's this massive raging wall of fire or even fire tornadoes, um, which are incredible. I mean, fire can make its own weather. Yep. That's some powerful shit right there. (laughs) Oh, very, very well. And I think there is also almost this kind of like, I mean, I think there's a land spirit element to it and I think there's a um like almost a generational or ancestral piece to it because a lot of times what happens in areas like California is fire will burn in the same area that it has burned many times it won't burn that area for theoretically a long time although again knocking on wood wood that's changing Yep. 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 So yay, yay for that. But theoretically, (laughs) the way it's supposed to work when the earth is healthy and, you know, um, is the fire won't burn that same area again for 10 to 50 to a hundred years, but it will burn that same path. Yeah. And that's what we saw with both the, my fire, which was called the Valley fire and the, the larger one in our area, which was the Tubbs fire, both of them had burned in the sixties a very similar path. Yes. And both in both cases, because of climate change, the path got much larger. Right. And it was much more devastating because there's been so much more building. Exactly. So that, you know, we continue to make our own problems worse, but (laughs) it does burn the same land. And I, I do think there is something to be said for that, that like the land and the elements they remember and they, they do what they're supposed to do. And and unfortunately, we've made it so much worse than it needs to be, you know. Right. Yeah, this really makes me think about how important it is to know the land you live on in whatever way that means to you. You know, maybe that's historically, maybe it's learning about the people who lived here before you and how they tended to the land. Um, maybe for you, it's just walking whoever you are. It's just going outside and being with the land in the different seasons and noticing those things, um, the shifts, the changes, the smells, uh, what what kind of trees are there? What do the leaves look like? Like all of those things, but understanding the land from, from the, you know, that deeper level within you, I think it gives us this, um, reverence for, for the space that we're living in and reminds us how important it is to honor and work with what's here instead of trying to change it or, you know, manipulate it to be what we think it should be. Definitely. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think that, you know, working with land spirits is not something that I've done a lot in my life, but I, at least not really consciously, it was never a practice. And yet I I should 
completely revise how I just said that because it's always <laughs> been actually really core. It's just something I didn't realize I was doing for a really yes. long time. You know, um, it I wasn't lived... intentional. It was just yeah. what you were doing. It just was yeah. right. Um, and I definitely have, I feel a very deep connection to certain land. Mm-hmm. Um, and having that experience, I think ultimately that's why I really came back to my practice after the fire was because having my, my home and that land taken away, um, because I, I never gone, I've been back to my hometown, but I've never been back to where my house was. Um, and that was a very conscious choice and one that I continue to stand by because I know that as I was leaving that morning, I looked back at the house and I knew that I wasn't coming home. I thought it was because I was moving out, <laughs> right? But I knew I wasn't coming home. Um, and I saw it how it was, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and my only, my only kind of, I wouldn't say regret because I, I don't regret not going back. But my only thing about it that I, I reflect on is that I never really got the chance to take myself out of it. You know, I never got to really reclaim my energy from that land. Mm-hmm. Um, which is hard because we do, we do tie our energy to the places where we live, you know? Well, you know, it's not too late. Just saying. I know (laughs) it gets a little, a little lighter, a little lighter every year, you know? Yeah, Yeah, (laughs) totally. So in all of this, how do you think that, um, how do you think your practice really brought you back to yourself? Like, what is it about practicing magic, about following the cycles and seasons and all of it that really makes you feel more connected to you? Yeah. I mean, I think so much of it is that working with those cycles, working with, especially with them overlapping with the seasons, with the moon mm-hmm. phases and with the planets, astrology is a really important part of my practice. Um, they give you and they give me permission to be where you are, right? Because when I looked back and I don't know that I, I even thought to do it for probably a couple of years after the fire, but when I did look back and I looked at the charts from that time, I was like, of course, this is what I was going through, right? There was so much that was happening, um, with the planets, with the moon. Um, it was a new moon in Virgo, the, the day of the fire. Um, and I really have found that in the hardest times, thankfully I've never been through anything quite as hard as that since then. (laughs) I hope that will be the hardest time ever. Um, but we still go through other hard things. Right. And even in the hardest times, those cycles have been so supportive to say like, you're in a season of release or you're in a phase of, you know, feeling really sensitive and really processing what you're going through. You're in a phase where you have a lot of energy and you can lean into that, you know, Mm -hmm. um, and knowing that they're so much more complex than just that, right. We're never in just one at a time, right. We can be, uh, they do all kind of line up for brief moments, right. We have the, the full moon in fall and, and we have these like culmination harvest energies all together, but we also have the new moon in fall when we're setting intentions, but we're also harvesting. Um, and it's so much more complex than just any one cycle. And that was a really key thing that it took me years to understand years of practicing years of study to realize, Oh, no, one's talking about this. No, one's talking about the fact that all of these cycles 
actually go together, right? I have mm-hmm. always learned them very separately. I'd always learned the wheel of the year and the moon and my chart, right? But I had never learned them together. And when I started to put them together for myself, I that's when my my work, my business really came together too, because I was like, people need to know about this. This is amazing. This is so helpful. <laughs> Because it's like, it can be so much more simple than the way it's taught. And it's, it gives us permission to be so complex at the same time. Yes. I mean, at its very base, the message is everything changes, right? It's like, no matter where you are in your life, no matter if it's hard or easy, or, you know, you're feeling energized or exhausted, it will change. Everything will change. And I think I think when I'm hearing you speak right now, that's really like the the piece, the center piece of all of it. And then the other piece I'm really hearing is how all of these things together helped you make sense of the world around you and your experience. Yes, definitely. Yeah, especially in a time that was so murky yeah. and so confusing. Um, and it would take me a couple of years. It would be a couple of years after the fire. Um, I would say- um, like three, three to four years mm-hmm. before I felt really grounded in like who I actually was. Right. When I, and that was when I started writing my first book and I decided like, okay, so if I'm going to have this book out there in the world, what name is going to be on it? And is it going to be mine? Um, mm-hmm. And am I going to claim that? And I ultimately decided to do that. Um and that's when I, I fully, you know, at that point, a lot of people already kind of knew about my practice, but a lot of people, especially in my family still didn't. And so I finally was like, so by the way, <laughs> this is this thing I've been doing for like a really long time, uh, like 10 years. Um, and everyone was kind of like, okay, like where did this come from? But also that was it. That was the reaction that I'd been so concerned about for so many years. Right. So, um, you know, it really, it was very much this, like bringing me back to, or, or for the first time, I guess, bringing me to this like other level of being authentic and being seen and, um, being okay with that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm imagining because the title of your book is all about self-care, uh, I'm guessing that that was probably born out of lessons you learned along the way for yourself. Yes, very much so. Yeah, that became a really big focus. Um, Just right away, just right away, I was like, I need something that will give me safety, that will give me, Mm. you know, that will let me feel nourished because I was so depleted. I was so depleted in those months after the fire. Um, and so that was very much, I, and it's funny because you, you never quite know how things evolve. You can like look back and be like, yeah, that's what I was doing. I don't know if that's what I was calling it then, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, but in those, that first, like, I guess year and a half after the fire, when I first started practicing again, um, I was very much focused on just giving myself whatever I needed, um, which at some point I started to use the word self-care. Um, I don't know if I was using it originally, but it, it came to be, um, and I was actually creating a course. And so I had some YouTube videos that I was uh, sharing about it. And um, that's how I connected with my publisher um, to write my first book was they were really interested in publishing a book about about self-care from this magical perspective. Nice. So they found you. 
they did. They found me. <laughs> That's very cool. Very cool. You don't hear that very often. Yeah. Yeah. It was a very, it was one of those experiences. This was a several years after the fire at that point um, that I knew I was on the right path. You know, it was yeah. like a bunch of things kind of dropped out of nowhere that I was like, oh, okay. All right. We're going in this direction now. And that's not what I thought I was going to do with my life, but here we go. <laughs> Surprise. Yeah. <laughs> So I know that you you are very into astrology and that it's something that really speaks to you on uh, like in your soul. <laughs> and uh I'm curious how you bring that to people. Like how do you cuz cuz what I I have experienced astrology, I'm technically a certified astrologer, but it doesn't work like that for me. Like I have to sit down with all the information in front of me to read a chart. I can't just do it from my brain like somehow it's really challenging. It makes sense once I lay it out. But like when you do readings for people, how do you make that digestible? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So for me, astrology, when I started pulling all these threads together for myself, right. And learning about my chart and everything, there are these key moments where I can remember being like having this, these ahas, you know, where I was like, oh my God, like this is a breakthrough for me, you know? And the, the biggest ones were one realizing how astrology does connect those other cycles that, you know, the wheel of the year, each of the festivals happens when the sun is in a particular zodiac sign um, and happens close to a, the full moon in a particular zodiac sign, right? And the, the, the new moon is always when the sun and the moon are in the same sign. And the full moon is when the sun and the moon are in opposite signs right. and that every sign has an opposite and that they are, you know, in conversation with one another. Um, and so starting to pull those threads together for myself as someone who at that point had been practicing, you know, on and off for a long time, you know, I knew what I was doing. I'd been working with these energies for a long time and I had never, and I finally, it seems like people are talking a little bit more about this, but at the time I had never seen anyone talk about how the wheel of the year is astrological, right? Or a, a little bit about, you know, how the moon is, but never how the seasons are and never how the seasons and the moon are the same thing and that they they mm. are connected. Um, and so that was huge for me. And the other thing that was really huge for me that I guess came first was learning about my moon for the first time. So, you know, I had always connected with my sun sign. I don't know. I, I genuinely have no idea when the first time I got my chart was and saw my, my actual chart. I have no memory of it. I don't know if it was pre-fire, if it was after the fire, I have no clue. But at some point after the fire, I learned about really digging into my moon sign and mm -hmm. then even more importantly, the house that my moon is in and putting those together was so validating and so like, I just, I'd always resonated as a Taurus, but seeing these other parts of me, it was just like, this is such a bigger picture. Like this is things wow. I've never been able to explain or, you know, things that I've always struggled with. And that was really, really a breakthrough and really healing. And so that's actually where I started. My first readings that I ever offered um, were about moon signs. Oh, nice. Um, so it was always really originally like lunar astrology. And then um, as I just learned more, it just clicked. Like it really is like, I think it's kind of my first language um, <laughs> <laughs> or it was supposed to be my first language. Uh, and it just, it really does just make sense to me. And so when I started to pull those threads together, 
of, you know, the moon in your own chart and the, the moon in the signs and what seasons they appear in and all of that. Um, that's when things really, really came together in my work. Um, and my second book, The Modern Witch's Guide to Natural Magic, is really about that. It's about the ways that those cycles overlap and come together. And so that's a lot of what I do, to go back to your original question, um, that's a lot of what I do is helping people simplify things by understanding how what the context is, understanding how they fit together, right? Because it's not just where are the planets in your chart, right? It's, which is, that alone is incredibly powerful information to have, but it's also what, how are those planets being activated at different times of the month, different times of the year, you know, different phases of your life mm -hmm. um, by all of these other cycles, right? And how do we fit into those cycles? And I really found that teaching those three cycles of the seasons and the moon and the planets um, together is actually much easier to understand because you understand the context, right? You're not just memorizing abstract information. You're, yes. you're remembering that, okay, Taurus season is also Beltane season is also the season of the full moon in Scorpio. And so we have these threads that get woven together, right? Um, there's, there's context for them. And so I'm really about like giving context, simplifying things to their like most potent essentials, you know? Um, so there's a lot of things I don't teach in astrology, um, that other people do amazingly. And so I'm really focused on like teaching people the cycles and understanding how they impact them. Yeah. I love that. It, it, astrology is so cool because you can come at it from all these different angles and you know, it, there are pieces, all of it fits together into one complete puzzle, but you can pull out pieces of it and really examine them. And, and like you said, that potency is there. Um, and sometimes it's easier almost to learn it in these sort of pieces of like, Hey, we're going to focus on this section. And then you're going to see how that actually kind of bleeds in to all this other stuff. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. So do you offer readings to people? I do readings like very occasionally at this point. So mostly I teach, I have memberships where I teach people either I have one that's, or actually I have a certification that's just astrology, um, where I really go deep with like the nerdy astrology stuff. Um, <laughs> but I mostly, I have memberships where people can, you know, learn about all of this. I teach about it and then really apply it, right? Like noticing, okay, what, where is this showing up in my own chart? You know, what's going on for me this month, this season? Um, but I do occasionally offer readings. Um, if you dig around on my website, you can find them. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, you know, as we're moving up to the holiday season here, I know people are going to be looking for gifts for their loved ones and maybe themselves, you know, just, just saying, maybe, maybe you want to do a little self-care treat yourself or you're like me and your birthday's coming up and you're like, Hmm, what am I going to get myself for my birthday? Uh, so <laughs> if people want to find you and learn more about some of these offerings that you have, how do they do that? Yeah. So my website is witchoflupinhollow.com. Um, and in the main menu, if you go to the shop tab, um, that'll take you to a page where you can find my books. Um, you'll find, you will find readings on there. Um, and I do offer them as gifts around the holidays, which is really fun. So you can buy a reading for someone, um, and then have them submit their information after you give it to them. Nice. Um, or tell them that they're getting it. Um, so that can be really fun. Um, so I offer those. You will find my two books. Um, and I also offer them as a bundle. So you can get both um, 
for someone or keep one for yourself, um, <laughs> whichever Maybe. you prefer. Whatever you want. <laughs> um, so you can get the books. We also have a magazine. So right now when we're recording this, we're sold out of the print copies, um, but we will have the winter magazine coming out pretty soon. Um, it'll probably be available on the website by the time this airs um, or shortly after. So we do have a print magazine that's really beautiful um, and would be a really great gift for the holidays as well. Um, there's digital copies as well. It's just, you know, it's not as wrappable. <laughs> right. And I got to say, you have such a beautiful aesthetic. Like I got your magazine and it is gorgeous. So oh, thank you. Yeah. I mean, just it has a lot of great content in it too, but just looking through it gave me like a super lovely feeling because it was so pretty. I love to hear that. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> I, I have so much appreciation for beautiful things in the world because I am not good at putting things together. Like aesthetically, it's not my gift. Um, you know, I can write all kinds of things and that's great and make things happen, but yeah, it's like when I put things together, it's like, oh, look, Emily finger painted something like. <laughs> well, I have to like, I am not the artist. I am not the designer. I'm that's not my skill at all, but I'm good at being like, that's pretty. Do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and I think you're selling yourself short because I've seen your little videos of your house and you have a beautiful aesthetic in your house, too. So, you know, Thank you. own it a little bit. <laughs> gosh. <laughs> oh, well, for anyone listening, I will put uh, today's information in the show notes. So you'll be able to just click and, and head on over to her website and check her out. And you're also on social media. What, what's your, your, your tags? How do people find yeah, you? Yeah, I'm pretty much loop and hollow everywhere. So I'm loop and hollow on Instagram, which is kind of the main place I am. I do also have a Facebook group called empowered modern witches. Um, which you can come and join. Um, we're, we're not, I'm not as active on Facebook as Instagram, but um, we do have this really great group and people are always posting in there um, as well. So that's a good space. Um, am I anywhere else? I'm on YouTube, Witch of Loop and Hollow, Pinterest, Loop and Hollow. Find me all places. All places. <laughs> all places. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for hanging out with me for this time and telling telling your story. I think it's so helpful to people to hear stories about where, folks found their way to the craft um, so that they can relate to that or not. You know, everybody's got their own story, but I think, I just think it's fascinating how we all find our way here. <laughs> yes, definitely. Well, thank you for having me. Yes, absolutely. And to everybody listening, take good care of yourselves and until next time, keep it magical. Hey there, friends. Emily here from Wise Woman Witchery. If you like what you hear on The Witch Next Door, I invite you to support us. You can do that by rating, reviewing, liking, following, uh, what else? <laughs> Whatever else it is that you do on the platform you like to listen to podcasts on. By doing these things, it actually helps other people find us. And in that way, helps us spread the magic. So I appreciate you taking the time to do that. And thanks for being a listener. Thank you for joining us on The Witch Next Door. Join us next week as we explore more ways to make every day more magical. Can't wait? Visit wisewomanwitchery.com or follow Wise Woman Witchery on Facebook and Instagram to stay up to date on all current offerings and be a part of the tribe. 
All episodes are created by Emily Morrison and Veronica Wade Lewis. Music written and performed by Jean Cornelius.